Welcome to AI Arthritis Voices 360, the podcast solving today's most pressing issues in the AI arthritis community. We invite you all to the table, where together we face the daily challenges of autoimmune and autoinflammatory arthritis. Every Sunday, join our fellow patient co-hosts as they lead discussions in the patient community, as well as consult with stakeholders worldwide to solve the problems that matter most. Whether you are a loved one, a professional working in the field, or a person diagnosed with an AI arthritis disease, this podcast is for you. So pull up a chair and take a seat at the table. Welcome to AI Arthritis Voices 360. This is the official talk show for the International Foundation for Autoimmune and Autoinflammatory Arthritis, or AI Arthritis for short. My name is Tiffany Westridge Robertson. I am the CEO of the organization and a person living with AI arthritis diseases. So I am not alone, though. I have another co host with me also living with these diseases. Hello. Hi there, this is Deb Constein, and I am happy to be here. My disease of choice is um, <laughs> rheumatoid, <laughs> rheumatoid arthritis. Um, I started my journey when I was 13 years old, having symptoms, and probably was diagnosed closer to 14 and a half. So long time having this. And I would say that we are experts, life experts. Absolutely. And- <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. Nobody could be any, like, again, with the journey you've gone through with AXPA and my journey with RA, we know, we know our stuff. Yeah. And, and everyone out there that has a personal experience, everyone out there that, that lives with these diseases, your voice matters as well. Your story matters as well, because we are really the life experts. And that leads us right into the topic that we are going to cover today. And that is accelerating the patient voice in research, something that our organization has been extremely involved in Oh yeah, <laughs> since inception. In every I, piece. Every piece. piece. So our mission is to help others like ourselves who are living with these diseases have a voice at the table as equals next to other stakeholders so that together we can solve problems that impact education, advocacy, and research. So research, we've been very heavy, very heavy, I would say, in the patient yeah. voice and, and research sector. And part of that is because we have been fortunate over the years to be patients invited to be part of projects. So whether that's grant reviews or uh, yeah. liaisons and, and research projects. And we've so, both done that. Yeah, absolutely. With, um, yeah. And uh, the and, Department of Defense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, lo- and lots of other people oh, who yeah. volunteer with in our organization also have. And so over the years or the last few years in particular, mm-hmm. one thing that we have started to refocus on as an organization is that part of helping others, helping all people have a voice. Bringing people along. Health equity is really the the term that's used today. And we've realized, especially in the research part, that our diseases are so unique that it is almost impossible to represent all voices. Yes. It's just, I cannot have the same experience that Deb has. Deb cannot have the same experience I have. I can't have the same experience of a 20 year old male living in Australia. (laughs) You know, I just, we we're different. And, 
we've realized that. And it's one of the, it, we, we do incorporate that into all of the arms of our organization. But in this case, we're going to talk a little bit about how we're doing it with research and being able to be at that table and sharing that experience with more and more of you. And that's what happened a couple days ago, isn't it? Indeed. Oh, it sure is. You know, what a cool experience we had. And, you know, being part, again, you've kind of brought me along over the years. So on Wednesday, so today's Friday, Mm -hmm. um, Wednesday, we actually participated in some huge voting. And what we're alluding to is something called OMARACT. Yes. And that stands for Outcome Measures in Rheumatology. So this is an independent initiative that was started over 20 years ago, initially by researchers, doctors. And then in 2002, they brought on patients. So we're going to give a a shout out to all those patients, in particular with Martin DeWitt, who, holla. (laughs) Hey, Martin. How's the grandbaby? (laughs) Has become a very dear friend to both Deb and myself. And uh, there were several other patients that I believe there were 11. And I'm sorry if that that quote is incorrect, but I believe there were 11 in the original. So just a shout out to, to them because of the work that they've done that has enabled all of us that follow to be able to be at the table. So, mm-hmm. so just want to do a quick shout out to all of those who came before us. So what we're talking about that's so exciting is, is this, this situation that happened with Omarac. So very briefly, I started working with Omarac in around 2016, 2017, with a working group that was for patient outcomes and longitudinal and observational studies. That is very long. And essentially, it's following patients long term. So think like database, you know, so if you're you're collecting information long term and trying to find ways to ensure that the people who are measuring these outcomes in rheumatology are measuring the same things, the things that are most important domains or most important checkboxes, if you will, that mean the most not only to researchers and doctors, but also to patients because they found over time those outcomes and the preferences are not always the same. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's I mean, any of you that are out there listening to this, you are probably collectively shaking your heads. Yes, I, yes. And regardless of stakeholder group, because you're like, if you're a doctor, you're thinking, yes, that is very true. Yeah. If you're a researcher, if you're a patient. So, so they do this very well. They, they've worked for years developing and re-strategizing to make sure that this at-the-table idea, which goes hand-in-hand with our mission, which, again, is why we love them so much. And this year was really special. So they have, what did we see, Deb? Over 40 working groups? Yeah, I think there were over 40 working groups that on their website that, you know, they're amazing. I mean, it, just all the different topics that are hit. So even like you were sharing some history with me a while ago, but don't, I mean, even researching the working group is in depth, isn't it? Oh, yes. So to preface, what we did a few days ago was the culmination we got to participate in what was the culmination of six, seven years 
of hard work done by the shared decision making yeah. working group. So that's one of the 40 plus groups. And 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 Deb and I both have, yes. have been able to be a part of that group as well. And then another one, which you have heard us, if you've heard any of the other shows talk about with our researcher friend, or Lee, and that we call that changing the world with your knee. But that is based on some work that our organization is doing with their synovial tissue group. So there's another connection there. So Omar Act is something that as patients, we've been involved in it also. It's overlapped a little bit into our help with our organization. But yeah, it's a it takes years for the groups to get to certain points where they will will have a consensus or the larger population of Omaract come together and vote on the domains that they are recommending to put into practice in the rheumatology community so that there are standards that all can follow so that we are measuring the same things and showing value. And, you know, then you're not, it's not just an N of one measurement, right, so to right. speak. And yeah. And this was, I mean, there's voting that happens throughout the years, but this was the final This, this vote. was the vote. Yes. This was the vote before yes. moving on to measuring an, an instrument. So what happens at Omer Act is there are votes that happen, like, like Deb said, the working groups are working towards consensus. And every couple of years, the conference convenes in person somewhere in the world. And I was fortunate enough to be at the one in, in Australia in 2018, which is how we got involved with the synovial tissue group in the first place, because I was asked to yep. listen in <laughs> and be a voice. And I was sort of a robust voice. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. And surprise, um, surprise. But what was the beauty of it is they let me speak and they let me be passionate about it and not sugarcoat what I needed to say. And they listened. Mm -hmm. And then they came and invited me to be part of the group. So it just showed they really, they really invest in saying the patient voice matters. So anyway, what happens is at these every two years, there will be votes. And, and sometimes the vote is leading the working group to revise, restructure what they're going to present the next time that there was a meeting. And that was what was simulated this time. So when a working group gets to a certain point where they are ready to say, we have our work, or in this case, our core outcome domains that would be recommended for people who are conducting trials in rheumatology research, these are the ones that we are recommending. And they need to have consensus, 70%, of patients, 70% of all other stakeholders in order for these to pass. So what happens is if they pass, they will be published and those will become recommendations for all of the relevant trials that use shared decision-making. And then they'll move on to developing some more measurement. So Tiffany, what happens if um, they get like 65%? <laughs> well, they have to go back to the drawing board. <laughs> Yeah, that's why it takes so long, everybody. <laughs> and and you, you, yeah, then they have to go back and they have to reassess and come back again in a couple years and try again, represent, represent, and and or they or it could also just be decided that this is not going to work. Right. Uh, yeah, that's a good point too. Yeah, uh, it's just there. There's a fatal flaw, and and the design. There's a fatal flaw in something, and in that case put a stop to it. But what happened this year is 
again, biannually, there's an in-person meeting. It's it's a really big deal. My goodness, there's a lot of work that goes into it. I I I I, I you're up at eight in the morning. You're working in working groups till ten p.m. and you have a break for dinner. And you do have a break for breakfast and lunch, but you're usually working <laughs> at meetings with the people in the working group. So it's it's very hard to explain. It is an awful lot of work, but boy, is it rewarding and worthwhile. And I'm very grateful and fortunate to have been uh, there in 2018. And I was supposed to be there again in 2020, and then COVID happened. <laughs> so this is where it gets it, it gets interesting. So Deb and I started by saying, we as an organization have been fortunate to have leadership where we have been at the table. And we have spent the last few years working hard to give other people that opportunity, to help them, to mentor them, to give them the freedom to also be those voices. And if they can't be there physically, at least to record their voice so we can not represent their voice. Right but we can literally share their voices collectively. So so not just based on our opinion of what we see, but also based on their real experiences. This was a great opportunity to start doing that this year because ironically, <laughs> Omeract saw an opportunity too to yeah. bring more voices to the table. Not just patients, also healthcare professionals, researchers, doctors. And they decided that there were two different groups that they were going to test this on and one being shared decision making which is very important to our organization because of a project that we have called preparing patients with precision medicine which we are creating a shared decision making tool and some of the members from the Omerac shared decision making group will be helping us with that so it, so it, this was a very important one for us and we wanted to make sure we would help them in any way we could to reach as many patients to bring them to the table so the concept was the group that was originally going to be at the conference would still be at the conference but then there would be a whole array of other people online also voting alongside us so that not only would you have the vote of the people who have been part of OMARAC and are at the meeting working in the working groups, but an extended population globally. Yeah. I mean, it really exciting, an exciting pilot project. Well, then COVID happened and we all ended up online. <laughs> I know. So who knew that was going to happen? But I mean, for them to have the foresight to even move to the point where, you know, what just happened two days ago. So amazing process that uh, sadly COVID happened that um, you weren't able to participate in that. Right. Uh, in right. Person, but, but it, yeah. but this was, yeah. this was a very unique experience. And so what ended up happening was they asked a lot of people who were already associated with Omeract, if you're part of any other affiliation, would you be willing to share this opportunity to join remotely with your population? We said, absolutely. Yeah. So Deb and I, you know, we started reaching out to many of our friends and posting on social media and letting patients know there's this great opportunity for you to be part of something that was closed before. Yeah. That only Deb, like I would be able to report back or Deb was going to be able to report back. Now you're going to have a window inside. Like how exciting is that? And what that was, what that vote was, is finally the working group, the shared decision-making group, they had uh, developed their final recommendations for these core outcome domains for the, for rheumatology research and trials. And they went online and they presented 
what these domains were going to be. And they gave a lot, some training videos as well. And then Deb, why don't you, why don't you take over and just yeah. tell a little bit about how this experience was for, for a person living with these diseases. You know, even, yeah, being invited to be part of this. So I started, I was invited to become part of this for their pilot project that started back in June. And I think the process even started the month before. So doing some of the training and things like that. So I got myself all caught up. And in June, we did a vote. And that was actually included in the final vote, too. So I didn't have to re-vote on Wednesday that we just had. But yeah, it was, you know, just being part of that and being part of these Zoom meetings. And at that point, I was part as just a I don't mean just a patient, but I was part uh, my my participation was being a patient. And just on Wednesday, we were asked through Tiffany. Tiffany was invited to participate as being a facilitator, a reporter, reporter or a content expert. Oh, yeah. They asked if I and I said, no, I'm not comfortable being a content expert because I'm right. newer to the group. I haven't right. been with the group right. for six years and and I wouldn't be comfortable, but I would enjoy being a reporter. And when you're in the conference, what happens is you're sitting in an auditorium and there, let's say there's 120 people at the conference. You will look up on a screen and there will be eight screens and it'll, and it'll be divided into eight groups. And there has to be at least two patients in each of these breakout groups. Okay. So you'll look up and you'll see your, you have to find your name on a screen and then you'll go into this group. And when you get into the group, there's a facilitator, the person who's hosting the conversation. There is a content expert. So somebody who is very versed on the domains and the work that the working group has done. And then you have a recorder and the recorder is listening to all of the conversation that's happening over and comments and, right. and comments and not just recording them. You also need to get to the end of process. So if there's a conversation that starts with question, comment, question, comment, what your job is, is to summarize at the end what the result was. You have about 15 minutes in a breakout group, and then everybody convenes back in the auditorium, and the reporters meet together while everybody's on their coffee break yep. <laughs> and, and give an overall summary. Well, they simulated that this time. Yeah, they did Which it. was... was I mean, they did a fantastic job. They nailed it. Yeah. I didn't even know Zoom could do the things that Zoom can do. <laughs> yeah. Zoom has breakout rooms, as some of you may know. And they did that. They broke everybody because they're, I think, our, our morning meeting, which was evening for some, mm -hmm. was probably about 100 and some odd people. And then the afternoon meeting was another 60 or 70. Yeah. yeah. And they broke everybody out into breakout rooms. And Tiffany and I both got to be reporters. And we mm -hmm. were assigned as reporters into rooms that were probably between, I, I think, eight to mine were about 14. 10 yeah in mine each, were yeah. um yeah mine was like 10 and 12 as far as mm -hmm. people that were in there but again one is a facilitator one is a reporter and one is a content expert and the reporter actually takes count everybody introduces themselves as far as where you are in the world and what what is your connection are you a patient are you a researcher are you a doctor and things like that so and mm -hmm. we as reporters take note of the numbers to make sure the patient is represented. And the conversation starts from the facilitator. We are 
diligently typing away as reporters. And I was wondering how your hands were holding up. I'm a really fast typer. Yes, you and, are. And I was honestly in the middle of typing thinking, oh, I hope Deb's fingers are okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was, you got to type fast. Yes, you do. <laughs> to- and actually, um, I went back and I'm like, okay, I need to go back to Hussein. Hussein, what was your, um, I need to capture your comment correctly. Can you please, let? I, this is what I've typed. Is that correct? Or so, you know, again, I was interacting as well. And again, they wanted to know my thoughts. And I'm like, oh, hang on a second. I've been typing the whole time. I haven't even been able to put my comment. Oh, I, that, that's interesting because yeah. usually the reporter does not speak. Yeah, no, they had, my facilitator brought me in both times. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> On both of your sessions? Oh, wow. No, I, if they would have, if they would have, I would have just said, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't have time. I, yeah, I know. I was, I was feverishly I, typing. Funny. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that's Which is funny. So, yeah. But out of those 180 people that I was talking about from our organization, you know, we brought several people to the table mm-hmm. with us. So we probably had 10 to 15 folks yeah. that were from us alone. Yeah, from yeah. that were able to participate that never were part of OMRAC before Correct. and were yeah. able to come and have their voice. Now, granted, they may or may not have fully understand the yeah. concept, but that's okay because this is a pilot. You've got to start somewhere. My gosh, we know that more than anybody oh, in yes, our organization exactly. because we we are known for being the first to do things. Yep. I mean, this is that that is no we're figuring it out, fi- yep. figuring out as we go. That is that is something we're known for. So, yep. um, you know, kudos for just doing it, yeah. getting it done, yeah. putting it out there, and yeah. we're glad that there were patients that were able to come to the table and be part of it. It was really exciting. You know, when you're there in the audience and you're, I mean, in the auditorium and you're there in person, when there is a final vote, when all of the teams on stage, so you've got everybody up there and then everyone in the audience has a clicker to, to vote. And now in this case, everybody was on an app on their phone in remotely. But when you're in the audience, you've got over 100 people. We're all sitting there. You've got people on the stage who have been working for years to get to this point. Yeah. And so the anxiety and the excitement is you can feel it. Yeah. You can can. feel it in the air. Because I can feel it even on Wednesday. I could. (laughs) (laughs) And so they ask a few questions. I mean, they basically will say, do you feel that you have enough education on this matter so that you're you can properly vote? So you you do those kind of preliminaries. And then there's two ways that the vote happens. Either they will try to say, will you accept all six of these domains, these outcomes? And if 70% or more say yes, it's it. It's like the whole place erupts because they they show it happen on the screen in real time and then everybody roars and it standing ovations and the people are opening champagne and, you know, it was just a really cool thing to witness, you know. But then what happens if it doesn't pass and that all at one lump sum, then they have to go through and say each one of the domains. So they'll say, and that didn't happen. So it passed with flying colors Yeah, in the nineties, 90% and above on the votes. So it was still exciting. It, it was a little different than 
being there and 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 obviously seeing that excitement and and then seeing all the chat. Okay, so the chat was going <laughs> yeah. bonkers, and um, it was funny because I saw your your. I mean, I was saying congratulations, and a lot of people were just saying congratulations, yeah. and then you know Tiffany's comment both times were okay, congratulations, and in parentheses insert the roar of the auditorium, <laughs> right. <laughs> Because that's what I remember, yeah, you know. Yeah, so yeah, I did. Yeah. I'd both remember, like, yeah. insert here, loud audience screaming, <laughs> you know, awesome. because that's what would would normally happen. Um, so we are we were really glad to not only be a part of another vote for something that will be utilized in rheumatology research moving forward, but something we are so passionate about, which is shared decision making. You know, we have talked, if you've attended this go to ULAR research with us over the last couple of months, we've been disseminating back what we've learned in shared decision making. Top, one of the top few topics. Yeah, that is recurring topics, because I mean, there were several that we had and shared decision making was in the top five of our mm-hmm. continually themes that we found. Yes. And so you'll definitely have to tune in and make sure that you read the the papers that are published after this on the, you know, we don't want to, we don't, we don't know what we're allowed to say and what yeah. we're not <laughs> as far as what the domains were. So we're not going to go into what each of them were nope. at this time. We just wanted to more share the experience and let everyone know that Omar Act is opening up some of these working groups so that we can involve more voices internationally in all stakeholder groups. Because think about it. We say this often at our organization. We as patients might want something and we could work really hard to try to make that happen. But if the other stakeholders don't want to adopt it, (laughs) then what are we doing? Yeah. And so that's why we also make sure that all stakeholders, not just patients, are at the table. So we do talk and facilitate with patients globally to get everyone's voices, but we then invite other stakeholders as well because we know that the solutions that we create will go nowhere if they're not adaptable to others' needs. Right. And that's what this is about. You're getting more input, more stakeholder input outside of those that are necessarily super familiar, those are the ones that we need the buy-in, right? I right. mean, they Absolutely. they need to understand what's happening so that so that they look at these guidelines and say, "Wow, I get it. Yes, let's. I we should we should do this." Yeah, and Omarac as a bigger picture again is um, so specific, and you know, I mean, Tiffany, your training again. I haven't been fully brought on board for the synovial tissue, but the training is so robust and so specific that I've only learned from you talking about the experience <laughs> and <laughs> I talk about I, I I talk about them a lot but I really have genuine respect for the process and I believe in what they do yeah and why why mm-hmm. yeah why they do what they do and why it's so specific and why it's so deliberate yeah so so in saying that we wanted to share kind of the, the experience and to let people know who are listening, opportunities to have your voice count are important. This is one of many different opportunities that we as an organization hope to be able to connect you with. 
And in saying that, we wanted to just mention a few of those that are relevant to this. So we mentioned the one project, the Snowbeal Tissue, which originated through Omeract. And that's how I met Lee. And Lee also works with the Snowbeal Tissue ULAR group. And so we, meaning Deb and myself, through our organization, have been doing some work with Lee. And that's another episode. We will definitely link to that but it is on synovial tissue studies in clinical trials. And essentially, would you as a patient participate voluntarily without and, having right. to have a knee yeah. biopsy? <laughs> exactly. And I, I actually personally had the knee biopsy, but it was it was for medical reasons. It wasn't for research. And the question, you know, Oralee is throwing out there is, would patients have a knee biopsy purely for research? And what do you need to know, yes. which is what we're helping with. So what do you need to know in order to feel comfortable to do such a procedure? And having it. Yeah. And that's what our organization has already started to work on with some focus groups led by patients. That's how we do focus groups. I'm, I've been uh, a professional focus group moderator for some time now. And Deb also has been helping with facilitating and some of the other volunteers at our organization as well. So that's one of the ways that we're helping out. And then we mentioned the, uh, let me try that again. (laughs) (laughs) The Preparing Patients for Precision Medicine. So that is an award-winning project that we started about a year ago and designing and really putting the concept into fruition. The concept there is that we identified that patients who are in clinical trials currently are representative of the general patient population. However, we know our diseases are very unique, and that's why most of the medications only work for 40 to 60% of people when you get out of the trials. So we are big proponents of precision medicine and getting the right treatment to the right patient at the right time. We also have backgrounds in education, and we're very good at disseminating information to patients and being teachers. So we are teaching patients the difference between personalized medicine, precision medicine, and then the difference between clinical trials today and precision medicine trials. From there, we will be creating a shared decision-making tool with the help of some of the working group participants from this OMARAC group that will be a wonderful addition. And... That tool will help patients to decide if a clinical trial in precision medicine is something that they might be interested in speaking with their doctor with further. Right. If it's right for them. Yeah, So, So that is something that those are two opportunities right there. A third is we've mentioned go to ULAR with us. So we really believe in making sure that patients can be at these experiences with us. And ULAR is online this year. ACR, American College of Rheumatology, later in 2020, also will be online. And we already, very similar to to this OMRX situation, we already decided in 2020 that we, when we were at conferences, we were going to have a virtual element. We already just, it was the same. I didn't even realize yeah. that parallel until just now. <laughs> but we already, do, do, do. I know, that's, awesome. that's a, it's a, so we already decided that. And we were going to be at the conference. Deb and I were, were going to be in Frankfurt, Germany. And then we were going to find ways to bring patients into conversations about the research that we were learning. So we're doing that online right now. And all through August of 2020, you can sign up to go with us privately to ULAR. We have a lot of 
research dissemination we've already done on our YouTube channel, but this is just another level of us doing a pilot test on what type of engagement is going to work the best. So all of those last three things that I mentioned, the synovial tissue, the preparing patients for precision medicine, and the go with us to ULAR, you can find those all at AIarthritisvoices.org. And make sure that you put HTTPS before there's no WWW. Or you can go just to arthritis.org. That's our regular website where you can find all of these podcast episodes. You also can learn more about AR Arthritis Voices. And you can sign up directly to go with us to ULAR there as well. So we can get you either way there. You can find us. <laughs> awesome. So. And again, I mean, down the road, you're going to want to be part of the AI Arthritis Voices because that's where all these projects are going to be living. Exactly. And they already, I mean, most of these already do live there. So yeah, perfect. Yes. So there you go. We just wanted to give you a little bit of an insight on something that we have been able to experience in the past and a great example of how these types of opportunities are opening up for others and how we hope as part of our mission that we can facilitate those experiences for all of you as well. Because the bottom line is only together can we solve the problems of tomorrow. So please make sure that you sign up to come along with us for all of these projects because your voice matters and only together can we make change, right? Yeah, exactly. Because that's how it ha- that's how it works. I mean, having these conversations and sharing experiences. I mean, Tiffany and I've done it numerous times. All right. So we are signing off. Deb, thank you so much for co-hosting this one with me. My pleasure. You're going to get sick of me. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay, Again, good. day in, day out. I know. Okay. Well, signing off here from AR Arthritis Voices 360. Please join us at the table. Your voice always counts. AI Arthritis Voices 360 is produced by the International Foundation for Autoimmune and Autoinflammatory Arthritis. Find us on the web at www.aiarthritis.org. Also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and stay up to date on all the latest AI arthritis news and events. 